Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Well, that was a eulogy for a dead French composer. And, you know, maybe maybe this could be a quiz for everybody. I mean, I'll even ask my guest who's waiting on the phone. But which dead French composer? Could it be Sartie? Could it be Debussy? Could it be Messiaen? Who knows? Um, but, you know, if you want to tweet in IMAX at IMAX Reinhardt, I'll gratefully receive all tweets and maybe read out some entertaining ones. Oh, yes. Um... But that was uh, none other than Gwenifer Raymond, who I hope one day soon might be on this show. And Eulogy for a Dead French Composer is on her most recent album, Strange Lights Over Garth Mountain. And she's only put about five or six tracks on this album, which enables her to stretch out and do everything even more magnificently than previously. Talking of um, magnificence, we have the final choral composer with us um from the um the album which is definitely the album of the program and perhaps the album of the month here on the late lunch show um because it is the young composer scheme two uh on the new music company label and it's the nycgb yes the new young what are oh actually i'm gonna ask how what does nyc stand for lisa uh, National Youth Choir. Yeah, I knew that. So it's <laughs> it's the National Youth Choir um, of GB, and they they do an award scheme every year. In fact, they've just announced uh, a, a new one for composers, um, which uh, includes some people like Alex Ho, who's been on this program. But right now on our program, we have uh, Lisa Robertson. So, uh, Lisa. Um, uh, do you think that the, this uh, album's been well represented on this show? Yes, definitely. And great to be talking to you. Thanks so much for having us on to, uh, to talk about this album. It's been such an exciting project for us all. And it was, yeah, it's just been lovely to hear the other composers speaking about their, about their pieces and, um, and about their music in general. It's been really nice. Yeah. Um, before we start talking about you and your work, have you any idea who the dead French composer was on the last piece? Oh, it's very difficult to think. <laughs> Many options. I, I liked your suggestion of Sati. Yeah, I just felt that it had the kind of muscularity of some of what he does, did. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, so Lisa, you, I believe, are speaking to me from far, far away um, in on the west coast of Scotland, above, north of Oban, but south of Wick. Yes, somewhere in between the two on the West Coast. And, yeah. 
And as you can, can you see the sea? Uh, yes, yes, right by the sea. Although it's often very, very stormy weather, so yes, visibility is not good right now. <laughs> and uh, can you see the Hebrides? Uh, not quite, but um, getting getting in that direction. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, I, I can Im- I can imagine it, and uh, I have spent lots of time there. A great place to be. How do you think that living somewhere like that affects your work? I think it's been hugely, yeah, hugely so. Um, as soon as I really began composing, I think the main thing I wanted to do was to try and um, to try and somehow reflect the, the landscape of this area. And um, I think, yeah, growing up and living here has just made me very, very... Um, interested and aware of the environment as a whole because it really plays quite an important part of life here because um, you know it's all around and it controls quite a lot of what we're able to do and um, that sort of thing. Um, yes, in terms of music specifically, um, I use a lot of natural sounds or I, lo- I look to natural sounds for inspiration um, quite often those that I might find in this area um i think also a, a big influence in my music is uh folk music and uh particularly the gaelic song from from my region as well um as you know it's something i've heard a lot um when i was younger um so yeah, i think it's, it's been probably the, the biggest influence um and where, my and, music is and, and where would you hear gaelic song um, well, I mean, we learned at school and performed in little competitions. Um, also, just really lovely events like um, sort of community things where um, people in the older generations would be singing songs uh, sort of passed down through the ages. Um, it's a, a, a very sort of, it makes me feel quite um, sort of strongly. It's a very kind of emotional um, response I would have to this music because it's so... Uh, and and so um is is it are there like sessions in in pubs and halls and can people who are beginners sit next to people who are really adept musicians and learn osmotically (laughs) yes there's definitely things like that going on and um a lot of the, the people who are, you know, more experienced or um, of the older generation are really keen to sort of pass on the traditions. So um, things like um, my local Kayleys in the village hall, everyone will sort of stand up and do a little a little turn, and uh, it's really nice. Um, but you went to um, music school. Um, I went, uh, I uh, studied here in a small primary school and um, eventually, well, I moved, I did my undergraduate in at Royal Holloway, uh, so moved away to London, which was quite a change. Um, and yes, I think really it wasn't until then that I started really composing. Um, so I just, just, just before we, yeah. before we look at the totally positive side of that, I just wondered, so, I mean, if, if the local aged musicians know you and have watched you grow up and become a musician. I mean, what, what did they think about you going away to college 
to study music? Um, I think it's it's pretty expected, really, for our generation around here that people mostly leave, really, because it's, well, in kind of all professions, it's very, very difficult for young people to find work around here. Um, and there's always a lot of um, sense of people coming home a lot and that sort of thing. Um, and, yeah, just a sort of encouragement and throughout the community, I've always felt encouraged um, to do to do all sorts of things. To, yes. Are your parents musicians? Um, actually, I'm the only musician in my family, but um, they're all certain certainly very interested in music and um, we've sort of uh, played little bits and pieces of folk music perhaps uh, throughout uh, throughout the time but um, I'm certainly the only uh, sort of more dedicated musician. When when you went to um, to, the, to Holloway um, it, so that's where you did your music degree is it? Yes, yeah, yeah. that was music. Um, and uh, are you a fiddle player? That's what it looks like online. Yes, I'm. Well, started as a, a fiddle player, but then uh, took up really classical violin. Um, so yeah, I still play mostly classical music on violin. Um, and and yeah. is and do you mostly compose instrumental music? Yes, I think that it was just a sort of a natural thing for me to go towards writing instrumental music, partly because it was where I felt most comfortable and I sort of knew what I was doing um, and also just, you know, connections that I had with other musicians and people who might be interested in, in playing things. Um, that's certainly where I went to first and probably mo- most of my out- output um, is instrumental music. Um, but actually that's why this scheme has been incredible for me because it's given me a real space to explore my choral writing in depth and find ways of being more adventurous with it, um, which might have perhaps been more natural to me in an instrumental setting before. And and so um, did you think, I mean, had you been writing some choral music or vocal music um, before, or did you just see, you know, um, online this, this call out and think, yeah, I'm going to go for that. I'm going to write some choral music. Yeah. Is that what happened? <laughs> I, I had written, I'd written pieces, um, had a couple of piece, choral pieces um, performed, um, but I, I think I'd always felt slightly restrained in in my writing um, because just from a lack of real experience, I think, um, in a choral setting. So when I saw saw the opportunity, I thought that would be an amazing chance for me to push what I was already doing in a, a more adventurous direction. So um, your your lyrics, did you write the lyrics as well? Um, yes, I sort of compiled them from data that I found, yeah. So they sort of straightforwardly suggest that um, the world is in trouble. Um, is, is that whole uh, ecological problem that threatens not just... Well, it doesn't actually threaten the planet. It threatens our species and other species of living things. Um, so um, is that something that you just couldn't help but write about at the moment because it's just so constant and so current? Yes, I mean, 
like I said, really, my music has always gone towards writing about um, nature and the, the environment. And I grew particularly interested in examining relationships between humans and the environment. Sometimes this is in more of a, a from a human perspective and a kind of emotional attachment you might have to a place. Um, but recently, I've just been veering more and more towards um, looking at the environmental crisis. And it does feel like it feels like I, I must. I feel like I, I can't not. Um, it being so, it's a sort of a anxiety feeling that we can't escape from. So it's an emotion which is always present in any sort of thought of today. We always have to consider this great threat. Um, and I think that although many of us, myself included, feel quite sort of powerless and like we can't really do anything to to help this problem i think that we can all do whatever we can do so um if i can use music to try to reach people and then and i think that actually the although not being a scientist i can't bear it you know i can't do anything really to help in a practical sense i think that artists can do a lot actually at the moment in sort of uh, encouraging, facilitating the massive cultural shift which have to happen in the very, very near future. So any growth in the creative output which sort of gives people a, a place to put these anxious emotions that they're feeling and to a sort of a space to unpack them. And I think that music can can do that and sort of sort of yeah, the arts in general being the cultural center of, of society can surely be the, the way to um, push the, the cultural shifts. Well, um, let's let's hear your push. So this is um, to tell it like it is. time um not just for this show uh that's a really very haunting piece are you still there lisa <laughs> yes <laughs> imagine yes. if i'd said all that new words to her. um yeah it, it's it, it brilliant brilliant realization of um our fears and um doesn't actually leave that much room for hope yeah, I mean, it's it's the the point of the piece is to um, to tell it like it is, and um, as people are be- beginning to, and uh, in ways of activism and um, anything you can do to highlight the fact that these kind of facts are not necessarily widespread, and um, yeah, people should know about them. Oh, yes, uh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, perhaps um, hope is a luxury until we start to work towards it. Yes, sort of like um, an incentive to work towards hope, perhaps. I mean, I, I read 
that um, so there's an, there was an order for 100,000 trees from uh, a forest in Northern Ireland, probably from uh, a government department in Northern Ireland, um, to uh, England, um, and that uh, you know the saplings were all being prepared to be sent, and then suddenly all the new legislation to do with Brexit has stopped the trees where they are. So um, it's great that people are thinking, yes, let's reforest. And, and in certain parts of the world, they're, they're doing whole belts of trees. I mean, I think that's happening in some places on the edges of the Sahara, um, yeah. on the one hand, and also in the equatorial rainforests of Brazil on the other. That's great. But on the other hand, if people are also passing legislation which stops that happening, that's not so good, is it? Yeah, exactly. There has to be sort of vigilance at every level that um, that these kind of things aren't put in place. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the, it's a it's a triumph of a of a work of art, and um, you know, I suppose it's um, it, it it's interesting how we don't necessarily think of contemporary classical music or classical music as a place to record um, political uh, protests. But you, you're you certainly doing that there. Yeah, I think, I don't know, it just it feels like in the, the last the last couple of years of this real surge of activism, particularly um, in younger generations, um, the chance, well, the chance to write this piece and to work with young singers um, felt like really the, the perfect time to do that. And, um, um, yes, that, that having these young voices sing, singing these words can be quite a powerful, um, I suppose, artistic statement as well as a political one. Um, and having having been careful to source uh, you know, reliable sources of uh, data, which is, fact rather than necessarily opinion um, I felt that was very important Yeah, no, I'm, I think it is I think accuracy is important but it's also interesting that you um, well in fact like um, like Joe you take your lyrics from found material Yes, I, ha- I have in this piece um, I, Yeah, I, li- I liked I like to do that. Um, I, I write my own lyrics quite often, um, but yes, this is an interesting case of taking taking sort of facts and figures you hear around the place and then constructing something with it. Yeah, well, yeah. It, it 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 seems to me to to work very brilliantly. Do you think that um, community choirs could take this piece on? Um, I think. I mean. Potentially, um, there are. I, I've thought about sort of um, alternative ways that certain things could um, could happen, um, like the the TikTok, which is a, a tongue click, could also be made in other ways. Um, is, I it, think it, is it all it body percussion? Is, is all the percussion body percussion? Uh, yes. Yeah, so yeah. Um, tongue clicks and then um, sort of thumping the chest. Um, which is sort of imitating a heartbeat. 
Yeah, I, th I think that um, community choirs would love to do this kind of thing and um, there isn't enough of the material around. Um, so you, you need to tour the, tour the community choirs of the country and kind of fill them with this spirit. It would be a wonderful thing. Um, yeah, yeah, it would be quite powerful. What are your plans for the next six months if things begin to open up? Oh, well, it's all... Um... It's it's hard to say really any too far in advance. I mean, I have um, I have some projects I'm working on at the moment. Um, I'm also uh, finishing off my PhD at the Royal Conservatory of Scotland, so that's probably going to take up quite a bit of my time. Um, that should be this year. Well, what is your um, what is the uh, what's the focus of your PhD? Um, it's a composition portfolio um, examining much of what we've talked about today, which is relationships between people and the environment in various ways. Well, that, that could uh, breed far more work. <laughs> that's, that's, that's great. Um, well, that's good to hear. Um, and, and do you still get out and about with your violin? Uh, yes, I, I play... Um, I still keep keep up playing, and um, uh, well, let's let's see what happens <laughs> if we're allowed to play in front of people anytime soon. Well, fingers crossed. I mean, uh, I think that I've been discussing staircase playing with <laughs> with Nathan. Yes. Uh, and I just think we've got to be inventive about the places we play, and then there'll be lots of places to play. I hope in the yeah. future. Um. Well, it, it's it's. It's such a great, um, such a great album. I, as I've said earlier, I just think um, it could be a really popular album because I feel that uh, there's enough uh, variety on it, and there's enough, there's enough to get your musical teeth into for every listener um, right across the genres. So, <laughs> I'd, I'd really like to see that happen. It could be, it could be the NMC's bestseller. Who knows? We've really had a great time putting it together, and it's yeah, it's so nice to to share this to share this album with the other wonderful composers, and yeah, we're all really really happy with it. Well, um, the trouble is that that TikTok of the tongue clicks on your piece have reminded me that once again we're getting to the end of the late lunch show for today here on Soho Radio. Um, so, Lisa Robertson. Um, I'd like to thank you so much for being on the show and giving us your time and giving us your thoughts. It's been great talking thanks so to much you. For, thanks so much for having me on. It's been lovely talking. No, it's a pleasure. But I'd also like to thank Joe Bates, who began the show, to Nathan James Dearden, who we spoke to just a moment. I suppose to Amy Bryce, who was on the programme just a few weeks ago, and I'm sure that I've left somebody out but how could I leave anybody out? No, that's it. Um, that's good. Um, great talking to you all. Um, I should add that um, I notice from uh, Twitter that Nathan James Dearden is part of uh, the um, LGBTHM21 and the Ivers Academy. They've curated an amazing Apple Music of playlist of LGBTQ 
IA artist, and uh, he's in the mix alongside Thomas Ades. He's very pleased to say, or oh, that's probably not how you say his name, but what can you do? Uh, Mark Bowden, Nico Mooley, and Raymond Huey. Um, so, uh, and uh, is there something I should say about you that we haven't said yet, Lisa? Um, that's, that's it for, yeah, that's it. That's it. Okay, well, great, great talking to you. Okay, great talking to you. Good luck in the Conservatoire. Send me yeah. your music if you'd like it played. Uh, I like your music. So <laughs> thanks, thanks so much, and thanks very much to uh, you know, um, the whole National Youth Choir and NMC for making this album happen for us. So thanks very much. I'll I'll say goodbye, um, and I'll say goodbye to the world too, um, with a little more Chick Corea, who sadly left us this week. This is um, the uh, the trio, Chick Corea's trio, playing Crepuscule with Nelly, which is a Thelonious Monk tune, and they do it immaculately. Thank you very much. We'd uh, like to continue with a, a composition by Thelonious Monk. It's called Crepuscule for Nelly. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I've been saying Crepuscule for Nelly for a lifetime. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm uh, happily corrected by uh, Chris. It's Crepuscule with Nelly, right? Oh, thank you. Thank you, Thelonious Monk. Thank you. 